0: Welcome to the Small Town View Podcast, hosted by Lynette Clark and Jackie Welch.
1: where community is strength and unity is power. We are Randolph County United. We are happy to have Alex Judd join us today on our podcast. Alex is the founder of Path for Growth, a business that exists to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. Since its launch two years ago, Path for Growth has served hundreds of leaders developed a thriving virtual community of business owners, and hired seven additional team members. Prior to launching Path for Growth, Alex was the host of Dave Ramsey's nationally recognized Entre Leadership podcast. In that role, he had the opportunity to interview and learn from world-class leaders like John Maxwell, Simon Sinek, and Jocko Willing. Alex lives in Tempe, Arizona, but is often found camping, running, and adventuring in our nation's national parks. He is an accomplished endurance athlete who has finished two Ironman triathlons, 24 marathons, and a 50-mile ultra marathon. Above all else, Alex believes in the good news of Jesus Christ and strives to follow his perfect example of truth, grace, service, and love. So I'm honored to have Alex here. He is someone I'm proud to call a friend of mine and that he has accepted to be here today with us and have a little talk
2: well y'all i'm so excited about this jackie i i just appreciate every time i get to spend with you we've been friends for a long time now and lynette we're new friends i got to meet you today so (laughs) i've been really looking forward to this conversation i just love what y'all are doing with this podcast and this is going to be a lot of fun
0: well welcome to the show so
2: we just do
1: a real easy first question for you. It's like our icebreaker question and we just want to know what is your coffee order?
2: Uh, The blackest, darkest coffee you can possibly (laughs) find. Nice! And it doesn't matter. I live in Arizona so there's days where it's 115 degrees outside I'm still getting hot coffee. So black, hot coffee. Oh, you
0: You and Jackie, I don't understand how you guys do that.
2: (laughs) I I like mine with cream and sugar. uh, This is going to be an opinion that lots of people probably don't like. I'm a big fan of Folgers. I think Folgers does a great A cup of coffee. So, I, And some would say the best part of waking up is having Folgers in your cup. So, I thought you were going uh, to sting
0: their commercial for a minute. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty simple, pretty basic, and honestly pretty cheap whenever it comes to coffee.
0: Nice. My husband will do their black silk, like Folgers black silk. He likes that one.
1: I'm a black rifle coffee
0: drinker. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That. Other than that, my husband gets black rifle style. coffee. Yeah. We get yeah. auto-shipped to our house. Yep. <laughs>
2: Wow. Black <laughs> Rifle has a brick and mortar location about 10 minutes from where I live. Oh, yeah. And man, I mean, if we wanted to talk about business leadership and branding, oh, my gosh. We we mm-hmm. uh, in the previous role that I, that you just talked about, the podcast that I hosted there, we interviewed the CEO of Black Rifle holy cow. I mean, just a brilliant business mind. And, and it's no wonder why that organization is as successful as it is. And they make pretty good coffee. Yeah, too. They do make I good do.
0: coffee. We, we went on vacation last year to the Smoky Mountains and there's like three locations in that area. My husband had to go to all of them and he bought something <laughs> from all of them. I was like, do they taste different? <laughs>
2: like, which was your favorite?
0: <laughs>
2: he was stoked. Yeah, I mean, man, there's such a business principle in that though, Lynette, in that like, okay, good business. Businesses create customers. Great businesses create raving fans. Right. Yes, and it's and I mean what I mean what on earth? No one has ever gone to a city and be like, I have to go to every Starbucks in the city. Right? <laughs> no one's ever said that, right? But it's like for y'all to go there and him to be like, I'm not satisfied going to just one location. I have to go to all three. Yeah, that was him. He's
0: I mean, like, I gotta go to all of them. <laughs>
2: Raving fan. I mean, it's (laughs) it's a testament to the brand that they've built in many
0: ways. I like the random names of their coffee. Like, I'm a llama fan. So, they have like the power llama coffee. Jackie gave me a sticker of one of those. (laughs) I have it on my pencil holder in my
2: office. Isn't it crazy? You know, it's like we're talking about that right now. Right, that's another thing that's like a brilliant marketing move. It's like <laughs> name your coffee so weird yeah. that people will talk about it on their small town view podcast. <laughs> uh, years from now. I mean, it's like, real. Uh, just so cool, so brilliant, so inspiring in many ways. Yeah.
0: So Alex, tell us something um, interesting about yourself that maybe most people wouldn't know.
2: Oh goodness. I wonder if Jackie would know this or not about me. So I am very invested in health and activity and fitness. So this feels a little bit contradictory to that. I do not eat fruit. In fact, I don't, I don't touch fruit. I don't like fruit. I don't like talking about or looking (laughs) at fruit. I love vegetables. I'll go vegetables all day, but never have been am not currently. And don't anticipate I ever will be a fruit fan.
0: That's so funny. Like usually, people are the opposite. They would rather have fruit than vegetables.
1: Like not even strawberries.
2: No. Oh gosh. No way. That's <laughs> that. I mean, even the mention of it is disgusting. Me now, give me a stalk of kale. I will eat it by
0: itself. It's <laughs> like a rabbit.
2: I will eat it by itself. I feel like you like. I feel like whenever you eat a good crunchy vegetable, you kind of feel like a dinosaur is how I feel and so that's what I'm constantly I want to about. start thinking about it
0: like that. I'm going to tell my kids that you're just dinosaurs. <laughs>
2: right yeah that's probably what my mom did and that's probably got what got me hooked yeah
0: (laughs) so jackie and i we share an office here and last week i was eating celery and she's like trying to work and i was trying to be as quiet as possible but it was like very large celery and i am like (laughs) like so loud and i like see her eyes peek up over her computer and i was like i'm so sorry
2: Like, what great. is going you on over there? Have, you need to have stalks of celery with you when you're recording the podcast. That would go really well. <laughs> you could do, like, one of those microphone.
0: ASMR videos. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we have an yeah, ASMR podcast.
2: <laughs> just for the crunching. That's right. That's great. <laughs> so
0: that, that is interesting. I have to say that I am a big fruit person. Like, in the summer, I could just live on watermelon. Like, there are days that I have to remember they have to eat <laughs> other things. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just Watermelon. So
1: I do not
2: relate to that at all.
1: (laughs) So Alex, you have your podcast in your business, Path for Growth. And so you talk a lot about personal growth and, you know, it's in your business name, but it's not just growth for the sake of growing. You are very specific in your trainings. And anytime I've heard you speak about it, you talk about healthy growth. So what is the difference between that? I mean, isn't all growth healthy growth?
2: I thought for a long time that it was. One of the phrases that is really popular in the business and leadership space, uh, and people like to sound really tough whenever they say it, they say, if you're not growing, you're dying. (laughs) And I was definitely that person for a long time that I would get my tough man voice on and I would say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And it wasn't until I owned my own business that I came face to face with the reality that just because you're growing – doesn't mean you're living. Because I have interacted with a lot of businesses, and I've interacted with a lot of people who are externally growing, but are internally just as dead as those that aren't. And it was that realization that spurred my understanding that has now informed our entire company's model for how we teach and think about growth, that health and growth are not the same thing. It is not at all the same thing. And it's possible to practice healthy growth. It's just not guaranteed. And the thing that we've learned about healthy growth is that it never occurs accidentally. It always occurs intentionally. It occurs because a leader decided we're not just going to grow for the sake of growth because I think growth for the sake of growth is dead. They said, we're going to grow in such a way that I become more of who I'm created to be. I continue to serve and love people exceptionally well. And our organization, if we own a business becomes more of what it was created and designed to be not less. And so health and growth, what I've learned is they are not the same thing.
1: Yeah. That's really good. I love that Um, because, yeah, because you can, I mean, I also owned my own business, as you know, because that's how we kind of met, but um, through entrepreneurship, but like we could be growing, but at the pace that I could not maintain. And so then you burn yourself out and then what happens, right? So we were growing, but it wasn't sustainable.
2: One of the questions, and that's one of the things that's really cool about everything that we're going to talk about today, is there are business principles in all this, but they're also personally very applicable. One of the questions that I like to ask myself, both personally and professionally, is do you have the systems to keep you where your vision is taking you? because i i have a lot of creative ideas right every time i take a shower get in my truck or go for a run i have a new business model in my head right that's just like how i'm wired i'm a very excitable person right and that's a gift i think it's a god-given gift and at the same time if i try to pursue all of those ideas, I will end up uh, probably miserable and resentful because I didn't have the systems to keep me where those ideas took me. Mm. And so one of the things that we look to as a leading indicator for healthy growth is, okay, you're growing, but what if something is also growing proportional to the rate of your business or life? And that's your personal stress level. Right. If your personal stress level is increasing proportional to the rate of your business, you are on a path that is not going to end well. But for for so long, I literally believed that that was just the way that it is. And that's what so many Mm -hmm. business leaders believe is they say, well, just the more we grow, the cost of that is I'm more stressed. And so that means the more successful your business is, the more stressed you are. That just that sucks. I reject the (laughs) idea that that has (laughs) to be the way that it is. And so we're constantly looking at creating infrastructures within businesses where you can grow your business while simultaneously reducing your stress level. And what we found is like, oh my gosh, it's possible. It takes it takes outrageous and deliberate, pur- purposeful intent, but it's actually possible to grow your business and grow your life while reducing your stress.
1: So, what do you think to start that? So, if someone is, you know, saying, okay, yeah. How do you do that? Where do you begin to do that? You, it's, you're it's you saying it's in the systems and like systemizing your business?
2: That's so interesting. So if we're asking the question, how do you grow your business while reducing your stress? My first thought was it's got to be in the systems as well. But mm-hmm. it's after doing this for 10 years, uh, I've learned that there's actually something before you even begin to focus on the systems and there's something before you even focus on the business. And it's rooted in a principle that I probably say once a day now, if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And it's crazy. I have spent years of my life, but I've also worked with leaders that have spent decades of their life thinking, I'm going to put my business in order. I'm going to introduce systems and process and get that all organized. And then once that's organized, then I will have the time to put myself in order to make sure that I'm personally healthy, to make sure that I'm personally organized, to make sure that my family has healthy rhythms and routines, to make sure that I can prioritize my marriage. And what I've learned is that that's a total farce. Mm -hmm. I have never once, and I've been doing this for a while now, I have never once seen a disorganized, fragile, weak, feeble leader lead A healthy organized centered stable business i've never seen it and i personally wouldn't put my money on myself or you being the first right Right. and and so we, we can say okay that makes sense personally but then what we really have to do is we need to say okay it's my responsibility to put myself in order to get my personal act together to make sure the things that are under my roof that I have most direct influence over man. that I'm doing everything I can to have those things in shape. And it's in doing that, that I become radically equipped to then put my business in order.
0: I agree with that. I heard a quote the other day that I've been thinking a lot about and I said, the most important work you'll ever do between the, or between the walls of your home. And Mm. that has been so true in my life because when, when I'm not organized in my home, then I'm not organized at work. I'm not organized at church. My school, it's like everything else is chaotic because that's, for me, is my foundation. That's my safe place I go back to. So this past year, we've really been trying to implement putting – just different things to help me stay or as a home like the kids lunches just like simple things like that that set me up for success so I have time to do other things because I feel like when everyone's running around and -and so-and-so can't find their shoe and -and so-and-so can't find their backpack and that just really starts my morning stressful and then when I come home from work if I don't have plans you know something laid out for dinner or plans for that night then it it just all goes downhill from there and I sit at home watching tv because I'm stressed (laughs) out I don't want to do anything else like so that's something that i've really been focusing on this year is that trying to get organized from the start from my foundation so that i can be organized and everything else
2: yeah lynette that's so good we had uh at our in-person experience in nashville over the summer one of He's just been one of my greatest mentors. Uh, I've known him for over a decade now. His name is Mike Valentin. His personal story is incredible. He's a brilliant business mind. And he's also just an incredible believer. And he taught a lesson to the people that were at that experience that was so simple and simultaneously so profound. And if I was to sum it up, um, it would be on the topic of simplicity and priorities. And he just reminded everyone on a whiteboard Uh, your relationship with your heavenly father and creator is first, right? Which oftentimes I screw that up. And then I wonder why I'm screwing other things up. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, That's number one, right? And guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do Mm -hmm. is what Proverbs says. And so like, that's real, guard your heart and your relationship with your creator, your designer because if you don't have a healthy relationship with God, my guess is that you're not gonna sustainably have a healthy relationship with your spouse. Um, and I'm not married, so I'm speaking from observation, <laughs> not experience, <laughs> but that's just what I hear. Right. So God is number one. And then that leads to your second primary responsibility is If you're married, your relationship with your spouse. And that's pretty interesting because a lot of people screw up with, with number two and they either put work second or they put children second. Hmm. And, and here's what Mike reminded us of is he says, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. And and a healthy relationship with God. So it's relationship with God, relationship with spouse, relationship with your kids or your family, and then your work. And it's crazy when we actually put things in that order, it's amazing how well things start to go. And that's what I often find. Like when I read some of the more simple truths that are associated with Proverbs and the Gospels, I often find that, man... When I actually do this stuff, it's amazing how well things go. Like, it's not like it changes circumstances around me, but it changes my ability to deal with the circumstances that are around me.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it helps me if I take that time in the morning for devotion yeah. or prayer, just taking a few moments because then the rest of my day, like my mind is kind of centered on that positivity.
2: As we teach at Path for Growth, the idea of a high return habit and what we mean by that is that there are certain things that if you do them every single day, they create a disproportionate impact on virtually every other area of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, not all habits are created equal. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence that suggests that people who make their bed every morning have a higher propensity to stick to a budget in their personal finances and to stick to a diet and healthy eating. And it's like, how does that work? And it's like, it has nothing to do with making your bed. It has everything to do with starting each day with a task completed. And Hmm. so, especially those morning moments, those morning minutes, it's like, man, if you can get 20 minutes in the morning A lot of times that's really intentional, really purposeful, really deliberate, really prayerful, that will have a disproportionate impact that makes every other hour of your day better. And so oftentimes you can listen to a podcast like this or engage with the topic of growth and get overwhelmed because it's like, oh gosh, there's so much I need to do. And what I often tell people is what you just said, Lynette, is no, we just need to focus on one thing that is really simple, really small that you would do every single day because if you choose the right thing it will impact other areas
0: That's very yeah. true
1: and that's super important because I've heard you talk about this before something that you would do not that you could do like because you could do all kinds of things like right we've talked about that um, you could you know run a marathon but maybe you should just start mm-hmm. with running you know 15 minutes a day or something like that so or just going to the gym right you share that yeah. story to the gentleman that um, would just start by parking in the gym lot so parking lot so yeah, yeah.
0: You have That's to start right.
2: it somewhere. We, yeah. You, you nailed it. Yes. And I think we often uh, overestimate the power of big goals that we stick to for a month. And we radically underestimate the power of small habits that we apply every single day. Yeah. And I, I once heard John Maxwell say every single day <laughs> messes people up. And it's like, <laughs> that is so true. Right. But it's the consistency that compounds right it's it's the showing up every single day and just doing the small thing that's why we don't say what could you do because it's like well i could wake up at 3:30 every morning <laughs> okay but would you would you actually do that it's like maybe i'd do it for a week but i wouldn't do it every single day no way right and so what would you do every single day trust in the power and value of consistency
0: and i think you also have to like celebrate your wins and in- understand that like if you skip a day or something happens mm. that it's not over you just got to pick yourself back up and go again I and I've felt that in my own life before like especially with new year's resolutions you like really start strong or like I'm gonna do this and then you know two weeks in <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not doing this and you just <laughs> never start again and then it's the next year and it's almost like you don't even want to try because like you're afraid you're not gonna succeed and so this year I I tried not to just really make new year's resolutions but just to help remind myself that like i can do those small things and that those small things are going to build upon the the bigger things that i'm wanting
2: brilliant yeah i like want to give you a standing ovation (laughs) i think that's so good because i i mean i think there's two things you said in there the first is you gotta recognize and reward growth I mean, path for growth is the name of our business, right? So when people come to our business, they're signing up for a path for growth, (laughs) which means that what they want to experience, the value that they're hoping to get out of doing business with us is growth, personally, leadership, business. One of the things that was really weird, that was a really insightful lesson for me was I started the business six months in, we had a bunch of customers. It was awesome. And at around the seven month mark, I I started getting calls from people that were just starting to question or doubt. "Uh, Should I be a part of this? Do I need to be doing one-on-one coaching? Like, what am I getting from this? And I was like, number one, freaking out because I'm like, (laughs) you're my business. Like, I just let him do this. Yes, you should do this, right? But then number two, I, I was also like, and this is where my heart really was. Is I was like, I I have recordings of these people six months ago, and they're like radically different like they weighed more, their business was disorganized. They Mm. weren't getting up on a regular schedule. They were emotionally scattered. They weren't centered. And now I'm like, I'm looking at these people seven months later and it's like, they've got habits, rhythms and routines in their personal life. They've introduced systems into their business. They've made new hires that are like really strong. They've introduced core values. They've added a mission statement. And I was like, what is going on? What do they mean? Like they don't know that they've grown. And here's what I learned people do not naturally see their own growth. Mm. And, and that is true for me, right? I, I don't spend time saying, who was Alex six months ago compared to who he is today? And what are the areas that I've grown? What are the areas that I'm different? And because I don't ask that question, I, I miss out on two things. Number one is the gratitude saying, man, so many good things have happened over the course of the past six months that I should be paying attention to. And like you said, Lynette, paying attention to those wins. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing that I missed out on is that six months is a canvas of God's faithfulness. Like it, there are prayers that have been answered over the course of the past six months that if I don't slow down to say, man, where have I grown? Where have I changed? Where have I moved forward? How have I improved over the course of the past six months? I just miss it. And it's such a shame because I end up not getting to experience or live in the fullness and abundance of what today actually is.
1: Yeah. And that reflection is so crucial um, to take that time and look back um, and recognize how far you've come. So
0: I think especially for people who are very like goal driven and like want to achieve things, we sometimes just move from one thing to the next and we don't stop and reflect. But if we never stop and reflect then what have we really learned? Because then we're not going to realize and go back and think about those lessons and the things that we did overcome. I feel like when I don't stop and reflect, the next time I'm hit with a challenge, I'm more apt to panic. But if I take a moment to reflect, like, wait, I've gone through something similar to this before. And if I can do that, then I can definitely do this.
2: Yeah, that's right. I... (laughs) there's so many principles associated with this, but one way that I think it's fun to take it is like, there is a fine line, but a big difference between persistence and stupidity. <laughs> right. And I just think I like of that. that, like of that boxer. And it's like, he gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked <laughs> down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up. And it's like, maybe you should stay down. Like maybe you should figure out why do I keep getting knocked down? Like stay down there for a little bit, figure out why you keep getting knocked down. And then once you got that figured out, get up and do something different. Yeah. And it's like, that's me. Sometimes I get knocked down by the same things. And it's like, dude, do some reflection, figure out what's going on here so that we're not just being stupid. We're being persistent and we're actually moving forward. We're being proactive. Um, If we were to say it in a little bit kinder way, (laughs) one of the quotes that I really like is that there's not wisdom in experience. There's wisdom in evaluated experience. Mm -hmm. So something happened. Was it good? Was it bad? What made it good? What made it bad? What can I learn from this? There is always opportunities for learning and therefore growth in every experience we have, but only if we take the time and express the intentionality to search for it.
0: I think another thing to think about, too, is self-awareness, because how many times have we been stuck in a situation where it's, well, that wasn't my problem. Some, somebody else didn't do this, and then that made me get behind or something. But if you really take a moment and reflect, how did I play a role in this situation? And, like, where did I make it go wrong? Because we can't control other people, but we can control yeah. ourselves. And that's been huge just over the past, especially since I got married and becoming a mom, is like learning not to just react to my kids like when something's lost or something, you know, we want to get like, it's easy to get heated and panicked. I need to keep my emotions in control because other people are watching me. I have been down this path before, and if I respond heatedly or respond panicked, then the whole situation is going to blow up out of control, and it doesn't need to happen that way. I need to keep myself in check and be aware of what I'm playing in the situation.
2: Mm. Well said. I was literally just right before jumping on this podcast, I'm writing a lesson on emotional intelligence and health right now. Mm. And it's been proven in a wide variety of fields that there is so much power to just labeling the emotion you're experiencing. And literally, like they tracked, they, they showed people things that would cause and stir negative emotion in an MRI. And they tracked the amygdala in their brain and they saw that it would register negative emotion. And then they said, okay, I want you to name what you're feeling. They would name what they're feeling. The minute they accurately named the negative emotion they were experiencing, the electric activity in their amygdala surrounding the negative emotion immediately decreased, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is so much power to you stepping back and saying, what's going on here? Because here's what I know to be true is absence of feeling is more often a reflection of ignorance than lack of emotion, right? We say, oh, I don't feel anything right now, or I'm not feeling anything related to this. A lot of times if I say I'm not feeling anything or I don't have any emotions, it's not that I don't have any emotions. It's that I'm not aware of the emotions that I have, and Mm. that's a very dangerous version of Alex. Now, it doesn't mean (laughs) that I should be ashamed that I don't know what my emotions are because that can be really hard sometimes. It does mean that I should spend some time in prayer and solitude and journaling and good, vulnerable conversation to figure out what's going on here because it is driving Period, end of story. The question is, am I aware of how this is affecting me or am I unaware?
0: I just told our youth group on Wednesday, don't ever make a permanent decision based upon your temporary emotion. Hmm. And that's so true with so many things because we like to be happy, and we like to be excited, but we have to remember those emotions disappear just as fast as anger or sadness. And it's okay to feel those emotions, but we just have to understand how to control and how to regulate them. I feel like that's a struggle that some of our youth are not taught is that it's okay to have those emotions, but how do I use them and how do I communicate them to make them useful?
2: Dadgummit, Lynette, where were you with my youth group? Like, I could use <laughs> that talk a, lo- a lot a long time ago. That would have been really helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's actually two within the emotional health and emotional awareness space, my understanding is that there's kind of like two forms of thought. It's like, let's use a very simple, uh, framework, five core emotions, anger, shame, sadness, gladness, fear. Okay. Now there's one line or type of teaching that says those emotions are not good or bad. They just are right. So those emotions just are how those emotions manifest can be, an impairment or a blessing. There's another line of thinking that says, okay, five core, core emotions, anger, shame, sadness, gladness, fear. Um, this line of teaching says that, no, it's not just that those emotions are neutral. Actually, all of those emotions are good because every single one of those emotions is just like a check engine light saying, Mm. hey, you need to pay attention to this because it's trying to tell you something about what you need or about where you're called to serve or about how you can move forward. Now, we can make them manifest really bad, but one of the beautiful things about emotions is God created them. And so one of the things that we need to recognize is like, man, these are here for a purpose. And whenever I try to push them down or not deal with them or not acknowledge them, then um they start owning me instead of me managing them.
0: Yeah. And that's where bitterness starts to come from too.
2: Explain that a little bit.
0: So I would say for me, if I don't address that like I'm upset with somebody or that I'm feeling a certain way and I just keep tucking it down, tucking it down, then like I become bitter, I become more angry. And then like that starts to affect the way I work with that person. When I see that person like If I don't want to be one of those people, as soon as I see someone, I immediately have a negative thought about them. I and I am still struggling with this. It's something that I'm growing in is being able to have candid conversations without it turning into an argument. And we've started this in our marriage. Like, it's okay if I've done something that upsets you, but I need to know when it happens. That way, like two weeks from now, it doesn't come out in a fight because we didn't ever discuss how we were really feeling.
2: Mm. So so good. Yeah. One of the things I would share that I struggle with many of the same things. Oftentimes I don't like engaging in conflict with people and therefore I can avoid it. One of the things that I've had to recognize is that when someone does something I don't like, or that didn't meet my expectations or that I'm misaligned with someone on something, um, whenever I choose not to say something, who am I really serving in that moment? Am I, Am I serving yeah. them? The answer is actually no. I'm not serving them because to serve their best interest would be to let them know, right? And, and to not let them know as you did this, right? But rather <laughs> to let them know like, hey, this happened. This is how I'm feeling as a result. I was hoping we could talk through it, right? Assume positive intent. Whenever I choose not to say something, all I'm doing is serving myself because I'm op- opting for comfort over conflict. And again, conflict is not necessarily good or bad it just is the way that we handle it is good or bad and i have never found a time in my life or my leadership or my business where it was a good decision to ignore potential conflict i've never seen it play out well and so that's something that i have to constantly remember as well
1: yeah i found that in our business too we had um, teenagers mainly right and college students and a lot of them, it was their first job, and they didn't, they didn't know what they were doing, right? Because they were young kids and first time out. And so, um, and I would get frustrated, but I didn't want to address it necessarily with them. And then it would build, and then it would explode, and then you're just going to have to fire them. Because, right, you're so far down the path that it's like, you don't know what you're doing, and I didn't do it. So I learned that. Right. As I became more aware and got into the um, leadership development with entre leadership, learned that about team culture and then could have those conversations. And it could be very simple then to say, oh, hey, that's not how we do that. I wasn't mad. It didn't matter. It really wasn't that big of a deal. And then it didn't compound and you build that up so yeah
2: that's right and ma'am when you did that and because i remember walking through some of those conversations with you and Mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's like you throw all these different variables into it it's like we got teenagers in the mix that's a whole bag (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh boy here we go and and then you also throw ice cream into the mix because that was the business it's like holy cow we're we're adding sugar into all this and then just being in the service industry in general but I just remember having this thought, and I still feel this way about what y'all did with that business. It's like, man, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of those teenagers that you were employing were not receiving a good example of healthy conflict at home hmm. and, and that they were actually seeing the opposite of it. They were, rece- they were observing every single day conflict that was either confronted in a really unhealthy way or they were experiencing conflict that was avoided and therefore it's like the elephant in the room that no one's willing to talk about. And that's just one of the things that I'm so passionate about business being a vehicle for growing and developing the next generation is there's a lot of members in the next generation that don't have good leaders in their own home being their parents. And they need leaders. And it's like, well, where is one of the places? It's not the only place, but one of the places they can experience a healthy model of leadership. It's in the workplace. And I just think to myself, it's like, man, thank God there are businesses out there where the leader is committed to showing what healthy leadership, healthy conflict, healthy culture looks like, because there's a lot of people that don't get that from their home.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so true. The opportunity that you gave those students to be able to say it's okay to have candid conversations. It's okay to have to pivot and to say, I'm not doing this right, so i got to change what I'm doing. Yeah. That's huge. I'm sure they took it with them, you know, wherever they went.
1: Yeah. We love, I mean, some of those kids, we still have relationships with them and, you know, just being a part of their lives. And that was, yeah, it was worth it. It was worth it just for that, you know, being part of that um, experience for them.
2: So. And, and that's what I would just encourage anyone. I mean, honestly, you don't even need to own a business to do this. Mm-hmm. Just recognize it. You are going to work at the same place every single day. And you could hear that. And it's like, man, if you don't like your job, that sentence sounds awful. <laughs> you are going to work at the same place every single day. But if you like your job, that should be the most encouraging thing you've ever heard. Because it's like, I get to make a consistent deposit in the same people every single day. And it's like your life is structured in such a way that you have the opportunity to see the same people and make a consistent deposit in them every single day. And man, when you view it like that as like today is an opportunity to make a deposit, I mean, you start becoming the type of person that changes people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's not because you did anything extravagant. It's just because you were, wildly consistent. And, and that is just the type of thing that, man, I get so excited about because you said it in our mission statement at the beginning, we work with impact driven leaders, number one, I think if someone depends on you, then you are a leader. So the question is not, are you a leader? Unless you live in a cave by yourself, you are a leader. <laughs> the question is, the question is, are you leading? And then impact driven, we're driven by the opportunity that we get to make a difference on ourselves, on our families, on our customers, on our team members, on our colleagues that we work with every single day. We get, we are blessed by the opportunity to make a difference.
1: Let's go back. Like you talked about, we were talking about pivotal moments. What do you think was one pivotal moment for you, Alex, that comes to mind that got you where you are today?
2: I I would say the decision to leave my full-time job to start this business, um, yeah, I mean, you you knew me at my full-time job, Jackie. Mm-hmm. It's like I kind of, uh, at that time, in a very sarcastic way, envied people that really hated the place that they worked because I was like, it would just be so easy if the place that I worked was awful and I didn't like <laughs> anyone here because then I would be able to, like, have my great, like, I'm leaving, speech and then just <laughs> storm out the door. Um, and it would just be such a clear-cut decision. That wasn't wasn't my reality at all. The place that I worked was amazing. It still is amazing. And the job that I had was literally what years before I had said, it's my dream job, right? I got to host one of the largest, most well-known, most influential business and leadership podcasts in the world. And I got to talk to people every day that were my heroes, right, in business and leadership. And um, whenever it started to become clear that it's like, okay, there's obviously a very established, clear, well-trod path here that I am walking and could continue to walk. Or I'm starting to feel this inkling that, man, there's something inside me that really deeply desires to be an entrepreneur, to own a business, to create this, to engage in that level of risk where you're dancing on the edge of failure in some ways. Uh, and I started to feel that it, it quite frankly, um, it terrified me a little bit. Uh, and, and I, I wanted it, but I wasn't willing to say that I wanted it. And there was just so much in that six month period that I had to learn, um, that really God proved out his faithfulness that I'm so grateful for. Um, but it was a really, really hard decision that even when I made it, it wasn't surprising to me or the people inside the building at Ramsey, whenever I made it to people on the outside, they were shocked, right? I still get messages on LinkedIn where people say, what the hell were you thinking? Leaving Rams, right? It's (laughs) like people just had no clue, right? (laughs) What, like, but because on the outside, it didn't make any sense, but the closer you got to the situation, it's like, okay, no, this feels right.
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember. I have to tell the story when I first met you. So, like, I just got involved with Onshore Leadership. That's, I listened to the podcast forever. And then they kept talking about All Access, like, you could have this coach. And then they had this boot camp, and it was two days. And Elijah, my husband, and I, I talked about it. And I was like, man, I really think we need to go. Because at that point in our business, our team culture was horrible. We were basically hiring and flipping staff. Four weeks. They might make it four weeks. And then every four weeks, you had a new team. And I was like, I don't understand what what we're doing here. What's happening? What's going wrong? And so we committed. We, you know, put the money in, did the boot camp. And so that's where I met Alex. And then John was my coach at that time, too, down there. I think Alex hugged me. I remember him hugging me. And I was like, oh, who are these people? that sounds a little (laughs) weird. But he was like, I had ice cream. Like, my business was ice cream. And Alex loves ice cream. I remember him sharing that, and he was like, oh, you do ice cream, he was real excited about it, and I was like, oh, okay, and so we did the boot camp. It was really good, and I remember going back after the first night to my room, and Elijah, I talked to him on the phone, and he's like, okay, so what did you learn? Like, what do we need to change? You know, how are we going to be better? And I was like, I don't know about that, but I love these people down here. There's this Alex, and there's this John, and I just, I'm going to come down here. This is where I, these are my people, like, I don't know what I'm doing up there in Indiana. These are my people down here. <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> he was like, that.
1: not the point. That's not what we were doing.
2: <laughs> not, not why I sent you there. <laughs>
1: like, I don't know, but I like these people being around them. <laughs> oh,
2: man. I, I I love that story for so many reasons. Number one, I do love ice cream. It's still my <laughs> dessert of choice. So <laughs> the fact that we connect on that is really good. But, man, I, I think there's a business principle associated with that. It's like you never go wrong prioritizing relationship and loving people. And, I mean, leadership is results and relationship, but it's wild. The more I spend time around really effective leaders, the more I recognize that, man, if you love people, the other stuff, it just turns out – like. Works out pretty well. Mm -hmm. And, and and like you will like the things, the way things go. And so, the thing that I just constantly have to reaffirm for myself every morning is man, just love people today. God, make me into a vessel that whatever I attend to today, whatever I go to today, I'm just going to love people. And in many ways, that's an act of faith because it feels way better to strive and to work yourself into the ground and to focus really, really heavily on results at the expense of people, that's taking it into my own control. Whenever I give it into God's hands, it just says, man, you told me to love you and love people. And I'm trusting that if I do that, things work out. And man, I just feel like the more I do it, the more I'm like, man, it's so true. Things work (laughs) out.
0: Yeah, love that. So we have a special section here on our podcast called The Rapid Five, and so these are five questions that we did not give you, Um, and it's just the first thing that comes to your mind, just quick answers. Um, So our first one is, what is a book that you think every leader should read?
2: I'm going to say The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Do you want more justification for that, or do you want me to really keep it rapid?
0: No,
1: go. Tell us more about that one. I haven't heard of that.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's such a powerful book. So the idea in the book is that we all climb a first mountain that looks a lot like achievement. And we chase things that we think are going to make us healthy, whole and full. That can be image. It can be status. It can be finances. It can be fame. It can be influence. It can be power. Right. Um, But it's that first mountain. Inevitably, we get knocked off of that first mountain, or we descend and fall off that first mountain and we go into a valley. The valley is a dark place because everything that you thought was going to make you well didn't. And now you got to figure out what is life? Is this all meaningless? And there's some people that respond to that valley by just going back up the first mountain in a different way. There's some people that sit in the valley and say, there's no meaning to life. And then there's some people that journey over to what David would call the second mountain and that's where they focus more on fulfillment than they do on achievement. And he says that the second mountain is characterized way more by a journey inward than it is a journey upward. And you really start focusing on things that we've already talked about in today's podcast, which are loving people well in the context of community, focusing on the priorities that matter to you, attending to a vocation that serves a higher purpose and having a faith and worldview that really guides your decision making. And so that I always feel like I've gotten become a professional at summarizing that book. I, <laughs> I, I talk about that book a lot, but man, it, it impacted the way that I act and think in so many profound ways. I just always try to share that. Book.
1: I'm going to have to
0: get that one. I haven't yeah. read that one. I haven't read that one either. So I just
2: you're... ridiculously failed at a rapid question. No you're, good. <laughs> no, you're good. I apologize. No, you're fine.
0: So if your life was a movie, what celebrity would you choose to play you?
1: I mean, I know you're already famous, so (laughs) you probably just play yourself.
2: Well, first of all, you need to get a better definition of famous if you think of me as famous. Um, Oh, gosh. What celebrity would I choose to play me? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Will Ferrell. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, but it's got to be like some of the Will Ferrell movies that come out. It's like one out of every four I can get behind. There's three out of every four that I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> three fourths of my life probably looks like that. Uh, but then, man, that, one fourth, that one fourth, he really nails it and is just hilarious and so good at what he does. So I'd choose that version of Will Ferrell.
0: <laughs> I like it. So what is one statement that you would say to your 12 year old self?
2: Grace is real.
0: Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's good. You want to elaborate on that a little bit more?
2: <laughs> sure. Um, are you all familiar with the Enneagram?
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I'm a three on the Enneagram, mm-hmm. which um, a three can be, and this will explain why the second mountain was so important to me uh, the achiever by nature. And so, especially when I was 12, probably through 18. I really uh, looked at life through the lens of achievement, but I wouldn't say that it was an achievement that was based on living out of the overflow of what God had given me. It was achievement more rooted in I am not enough. (laughs) And if you live with uh, the idea of I am not enough and you don't uh, introduced to that, the idea of Jesus saving grace to say, you're right. You're not enough. And the world will probably try to tell you, you are enough. You're actually not. The good thing is, is Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't think when I was 12, probably all the way up to 18, I, and I think I'm still working on it. I don't think I had fully internalized that the way that I understand it now. And I think it would have been so helpful to me but it's also one of those things where it's like, man, I wouldn't go through what I went through again for anything in the world, but I also wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because yeah. it gave yeah. me the perspective that I now have today. So, but I think grace is real is a good message for me to hear as a 12 year old.
0: Good. So The next one is what is your favorite marathon or place that you have raced?
2: Okay, uh, this is a little bit of a reformat of the question. It's not an actual race, but probably my favorite place I've ever ran is Glacier National Park. It -hmm. would be a tie between Glacier National Park and Alaska. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, both those places weren't actual races, but it's like, man, some of those runs where you're just out by yourself and you've got all day to just send it. Oh, my gosh. It's just—I mean—the world we live in is just insane. It's just incredible, yeah. like yeah. mind-blowing. Like I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, and whenever I'm in Glacier National Park <laughs> or Alaska, I'm like, Middle Earth has nothing on real Earth. Like real Earth is better. <laughs> I That's
0: <think>. <laughs> So, in honor of your love for ice cream, if you could only eat one flavor of ice cream for the rest of your life, what would you choose?
2: Chocolate chip. That's nice. nice. easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I would choose every day now. So uh, <laughs> <like what> I, <laughs> so, so just
1: cho- like not cookie dough, not chocolate chip cookie dough, just chocolate chip.
2: Just I love the crunch, just chocolate mm. chip. I mean, if we can make it dark chocolate chunks, that would be <laughs> ideal. And if I have the option to put pecans on top, I'd take it.
1: There you go. Uh, OK, so I have to go back to the fruit question. Do you not eat fruit in your ice cream either? Like, would you eat strawberry ice cream?
2: Ooh, I so uh, strawberry ice cream is not my favorite um, <laughs> The one fruit ice cream that I will say I ha- have found that I actually like do love and enjoy is have you ever been to a Jenny's ice cream? Oh, yeah okay mm-hmm. so jenny's man she is an artist like yeah. and i mean that literally she is actually an artist right they make a, an ice cream called Brambleberry crisp oh yeah oh my gosh and they deliver it so y'all like mm-hmm. if you're listening to this you need to order this and <laughs> um but the best thing about jenny's is if you get a pint of jenny's you have to eat it while reading the description that she puts <laughs> on the side of the paint <laughs> because truly i mean uh their copywriters are brilliant and uh-huh. it just puts you in this setting and they tell you what went into making the ice cream and all that, that it's just like, it amplifies the experience. So that would be my one pro tip on Jenny's ice cream.
0: Nice. That's Jackie trendy. and I had, um, ice cream for lunch. We had a ribbon cutting at Dairy Queen today. So we, oh. Winchester is moving up. We got a Dairy Queen in town yeah, and sure. we had Dairy Queen for lunch and it was, the ice cream was very good.
2: <laughs> okay. What was your Dairy Queen order?
1: Oh, I'm classic hot fudge Sunday.
0: Mine was strawberry cheesecake blizzard with extra cheesecake. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! Got to be a little extra. <laughs> but they longer.
1: use like they use the good hot fudge, which is yeah, why they I do. Get that. And Even, I know the right. good hot fudge now because I, you know, I've done a lot you're of research aware. on it. I was dying to go to back in their kitchen. I probably should have just asked, can <laughs> I please see all your toppings? I'd like to know what brand they are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> let's see what you're using here. What do we that's have to hilarious. work with? That's, what percentage of fat is
1: in your ice cream? I need to know that as well.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You probably know way more about that world than you would have ever guessed probably yeah. 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's
0: different. Well, it was a blast having you on the podcast today. <laughs> I don't think we even got through most of our questions, but our conversation was amazing. So thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, yeah. I um Just kind of affirmation to y'all. Anytime I go on a podcast where it's like, oh, we have two hosts, I'm always like, that always feels kind of tough because hmm. the dynamic between the two people has to be really strong. Y'all just do such a good job of managing that so well. I mean that. And I just believe so much in what you're doing to serve the community that you're in with this. Um, I think Randolph County is just probably so blessed by just the way that you're investing intentionally in supporting them and helping them grow as leaders and in making sure that the community has a positive message to rally around. So I'm grateful to both of you. I'm, I'm thankful to call you my friends, and I'm excited for everything you're doing.
1: Sounds good. And if you also want to follow Alex' podcast, we will link that in our post from the show.
0: We will. We'll be in our show notes.
2: Awesome. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Thanks Thank so much, you. Alex.
0: We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to a Small Town View podcast. We encourage you to subscribe and follow us on any of the major podcast sites, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Google. We also want you to reach out and follow us on our social media. Randolph County United has a Facebook and Instagram, along with a YouTube channel. We hope that you will keep learning, keep growing, and as always, be amazing.